What's up, folks, and welcome to a very special edition of Scarif Live. I am your friendly neighborhood, Roe, from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, a proud member of the Red 5 Network, as you can see here. If you're listening to the show on the podcast feed, uh, not on YouTube, lucky you. I'm going to be expanding this discussion with our guest on the podcast version uh, on uh, the show and adding a new listener giveaway, a little contest at the end of the show. So as they say on television, don't touch that dial. I guess for you young kids, you're going to have to look that up. Uh, but uh, yeah, you guys uh, know that I love talking to Star Wars fans and I love talking to Star Wars fans that are in the business and uh, in the industry. So today we've got a very special opportunity to kill two fathers with a single brick, which uh, I know no bricks are in Star Wars, but that's another story. The Kenobi series has come and gone. Fans have said their piece. And once again, the fandom is divided. Um but uh, we'll uh, certainly talk about that. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us in the chat on this special edition of Scarif Live. But uh, we're going to uh, bring out our guest. I am super excited to uh, talk with, uh, with Kai Patterson. Uh, you know him on the interwebs for uh, the artist that uh, kind of reworked a, a little show that uh, everybody was uh, talking about a couple of, uh, how long ago was that? Um, but um, yeah, the Kai Patterson, I've been talking about the, um, the certain version of the Kenobi series that has been uh, floating around. And uh, I know a couple of you have downloaded it and watched it a couple of times, and I'm very excited to talk to Kai. Uh, but uh, first, let's uh, take a little break and uh, roll that intro while I get my notes and push a couple of buttons. We'll be right back. is now the ultimate power in the universe. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, guys, for hanging in there. Kai Patterson, how's it going, my friend? Oh, How are you? It's good. I'm, I'm doing good and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk with me here and uh, regale us, uh, all the listeners and watchers of this show, with, uh, with some tidbits. I'm very excited to get down to business. I'm excited, too. So, um, yeah, before the break, I said, you know, fans tuned in to, uh, to Kenobi. We were all very excited. Uh, more Ewan McGregor, more Anakin, more baby Luke Skywalker, a couple of new shots of Tatooine. I know everybody loves to go back to Tatooine, uh, and, and Riva who, all right, well, we'll talk about that in a second, but, uh, imagine cutting that series down 
to a more manageable storyline, maybe a version that re resonated a bit more with fans, according to some feedback that I was getting on Twitter when I uh, kind of uh, we started talking about uh, your version of the, the series. Um, well, we're going to get into it because uh, it's it's really it's quite a, um, a monumental task, to say the least. Um, the series was what, six episodes? I think it was yep. six or eight um, cut down to, to two and a half hours. And um, yeah, it's 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 quite a, a, an undertaking. Before we get to talking specifically about the Kenobi show and your role in kind of recutting that, um, uh, like I said, I, I love talking to professionals and Star Wars fans. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, tell us what your Star Wars story is. How did you uh, come into the Star Wars family? Yeah, I mean, I honestly can't remember a time in my life that Star Wars wasn't around um, right. and that I wasn't a huge fan of it. You know, like I, I've, I've been a huge fan since I was a small child. Uh, and I remember, um, I can't really remember if it was my mom or my aunt that showed it to me first, but it was at a very young age. Um, my, my aunt has always been a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Uh, and so some of my earliest memories of watching like the original trilogy is just, you know, uh, on the East coast in her little apartment watching on a little box TV, you know, and, uh, watching the VHSs of those and, um, I just fell in love with the story of Luke Skywalker and um, I really resonated with him and, and his, you know, journey uh, to become the hero that he becomes. Um, and yeah, so from a very young age, I've, I've always loved Star Wars. I, I think that the first movie that I saw in theaters, cause I was born in 95, the first one that I saw in theaters was, um, attack of the clones um mm -hmm. and i remember being so 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 excited uh and i know that a lot of people you know they they think it's probably one of the worst of the prequels um maybe before maybe maybe people don't like phantom menace more but i i love attack of the clones mostly just because i think it has that nostalgia from when i was a kid but also sure the i mean it was a dream come true to see so many Jedi in their prime, you know, fighting on a battlefield. I thought that was just like the, one of the most amazing sequences for me. Sure. Sure. And it's funny when I talk to a lot of star Wars fans, there is a certain, um, I don't know. There's a certain thing about star Wars fans where you, you, you don't remember exactly like when you got into it, it's like star Wars has always been in our blood. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, as, as far as, as you can remember, I'm a lot older than you. So I was, I was a kid when I saw the first star Wars and I saw that star destroyer go overhead and the, you know, the, the rest is history. As they say, it's uh, I, I changed that day forward and it is kind of a life changing experience. Um, and it's kind of cool. I mean, whether it's movies or sports or any other type of hobby, um, I, I find it interesting how, that aspect of entertainment of, of pop culture really changes you um, for, for many reasons. And obviously there are many reasons that this type of thing changes you, but it's something that is magical. It's uh, you know, obviously the storytelling elements, the, the characters, uh, how you relate to all of that stuff. And I find that 
I find that fascinating. It's it's wonderful to kind of hear other people, you know, kind of have a very collective experience. And Star Wars is definitely, you know, one of those things that, you know, creates a, a family of, of, of fans. Yeah, I, I, I remember just being like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine or something and like just scouring over like starwars.com and like always making sure that I was like the most up to date with all the lore that was out and the expanded universe. And uh, I remember even the um, cartoon network micro series, the, uh, the 2d clone wars was coming out right right before revenge of the Sith. And that was like, I was so into that. And like, I've just always been, and my, I grew up with uh, two sisters uh, and then my little brother came along a a while after that. But uh, I just remember you know, who knows what my sisters would get for Christmas. But for me, it was always just Star Wars toys. And they knew (laughs) everyone knew it was just boxes and boxes of like Star Wars toys. And since I was the boy, the only boy for a while, uh, my mom loved to just, you know, give me all the little uh, action figures I wanted. So I always had like giant, you know, clone droid battles set up when I was a kid too and stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, Star Wars has always just been such a special thing for me. Yeah, I you know I always say on the pod, um, if you cut me, I bleed Star Wars. So it's it's kind of funny, and it's uh, even as an adult, I have friends, coworkers that uh, if they stumble across something Star Wars related, they'll either you know uh, give it to me or, or you know put it on my desk after a while, and it's like you know I, I just look, I saw the Star Wars thing, and I thought of you here, check it out. I've gotten a lot of really great gifts, um, you know, Funkos and uh coffee mugs and stuff like that it's it's uh really fantastic people have gone to uh galaxy's edge and i've gotten some really great uh let me see if that uh there you go the imperial uh, rebellion logo uh on a ceramic mug so it's really great i mean it's it's nice to be a star wars fan and it's nice to be like the one you know i guess star wars guy or or gal uh in your (laughs) group of friends because uh you you end up getting up uh you know getting some really nice presents (laughs) you mentioned um that you tried to absorb as much as you could um post uh attack of the clones Mm -hmm. uh information and stuff like that and that's actually uh it's a great follow-up to 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 my next question because i i kind of did the same um after star wars um, I really tried to absorb as much as I could, especially with, with stuff behind the scenes, um, from everything, you know, that, that talked about all the documentaries that talked about the camera work and industrial light and magic and graphics and model making and, you know, uh, optical compositing. Obviously there was no digital at the time, but all of that stuff as a kid, really really fascinated me and i wanted to learn how these people made this this universe out of nothing literally and it's uh it's something that has fascinated me from the get-go which you know i i think um i don't think i know it kind of uh, guided me to to my career path um and i wanted to ask you how did you get into the industry and what was your inspiration per se yeah i mean star wars was a huge part of my filmmaking career. Uh, and, um, I, I will though attribute Jurassic park to the spark of what I, uh, first thought was my love of, uh, dinosaurs and potentially being a paleontologist. But then I realized that what I loved about that movie was 
the storytelling and the, you know, transporting you to a different world, but, but grounding it so much that you feel like it's totally possible. Uh, and I loved, you know, I just loved that genre. Uh, and, and I, I just love everything Spielberg does too. And, um, with, sure. with Lucas and Spielberg being good buddies too, you know, their, their work is very similar. And, um, you know, I was always obsessed with like Indiana Jones too, and all those. Um, and I too would watch like everything behind the scenes. Like I, I would always make my mom get me like the, the two disc special editions of everything. So I could watch right. all the bonus features and, um, yeah. But I started out kind of as an actor because my my mom was uh, my mom was an actor and an acting teacher, and so she at a young age got me and my siblings into like modeling, acting, all that stuff. So I had always kind of been around the industry uh, since I was a young kid. Um, I was on the show Baywatch uh, when I was a kid. I had mm-hmm. a part where I was one of the main characters sons it was baywatch hawaii so it was like the last season i think um so you you weren't running towards the camera in slow motion no i was five years old (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i was in that show before i even knew how to read so the my mom would have to tell me the script and i'd have to memorize it based off of that um but yeah so i mean i've just always been around um the industry and it's always fascinated me and i've always been a storyteller and, and just known that I wanted to write and direct and make movies and write books and stories. You know, I just, anything that has to do with telling stories, I want to be a part of. Um, and so my, my parents nurtured that throughout my whole life. You know, I would use, uh, my dad was also in, in news. So he, you know, was always showing me cameras in the newsrooms and the studios and everything. And, um, I remember using his camera to like make movies. I'd like make my sisters act in them. And, you know, then I'd also, you know, I got my own movie camera and I was doing stop motion animation with like, you know, my star mm-hmm. Wars toys and stuff. Uh, and yeah, it just kept kind of going from there. And I just ended up being like the movie guy and all of my, you know, with all my friends and, you know, sure. school that I went to and, you know, instead of doing, papers i'd ask the teacher if i could do videos you know and so i was just always uh into editing and uh filming and and everything um so yeah i mean i feel like it's it's always been around for me yeah it looks like you're it sounds like you're describing my life it's exactly you know what i did uh you know, I, there was a, a photo essay that one of my studio photography classes uh, asked me to do. And I, I said, you know what, can we, instead of just doing photos, can we do a stop motion, you know, uh, animated series? And they're like, stop motion? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, I had a, at the time I had a camera that would do stop motion. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I, I grabbed a team and we, we sculpted a, a creature and we took a, a, a backdrop picture of, of the classroom and blew it up and, we did the stop motion, just like, uh, you know, the guys at ILM one frame at a time, click one frame at a time, let's move it. And, uh, you know, we always kind of, uh, wanted to, you know, kind of go that extra mile and see what we can learn with this, uh, with the, the craft and stuff like that. And it was always a lot of fun. Um, that's fantastic. There might be some synergy there. Cause I'm a news photographer here in Chicago too. And, uh, 
I, uh, again, I've always, um, I've always had a camera around, around me and, uh, it's just a lot of fun just to kind of be able to, you know, tell stories with pictures specifically. Um, I'm into editing and graphics and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's amazing. You know, you mentioned Lucas and Spielberg. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they treat science fiction and fantasy as more of a kid's genre. Um, and you know, I, I, I can see, uh, I guess the logic, uh, of that, but science fiction and fantasy for me is, uh, something that, um, is almost therapeutic. It, uh, it allows, I think not only me, but I think it allows its audience to kind of think outside the box. And I think that's one of the reasons that, uh, that is popular today among, um, fans of the genre. It's, uh, it's liberating. Um, wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. I, I, I think that you can do so much with sci-fi. Um, and I think a lot of the thing that, that resonates with people is, uh, you can tell a story without having to be so like heavy handed about what your themes really are, you know, and you can, you can really like dive into things and, and make people empathize with people that they might not think that they would empathize with, you know? And, uh, I know that like, you know, star Wars had a lot of influence of like, uh, you know, the Vietnam war and stuff and, you know, what was going on. And, and, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't realize that like, Oh, we're rooting against a tyrannical government, you know, like we're, we're rooting for the rebels and, you know, you, you can totally empathize with them. And then you start thinking like, Oh, you know, there are definitely some times when America has been that empirical government, you know, that's, you know, trying to take colonies and all that stuff. And like, and, and I think it just, it's, it helps people resonate more with people. They they wouldn't think that they would resonate with, you know, and, and you can really start to put your, your head inside another person's shoes. And, um, and I think that sometimes, you know, it can be a turnoff to be in a, in a very like, you know, uh, obvious world, you know, like, Oh, we are going to do a movie about, you know, the war of Vietnam and, uh, how, you know, unsuccessful the, you know, all the wars were and, and how people didn't True. love it and stuff. And people go, okay, well, I don't really want to watch that. You know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a topic that makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think science fiction really distills the, the basic concepts uh, enough to where, you know, people don't have to think of it front and center, but it's, they're thinking about it subliminally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's one of the the great things about science fiction. I mean, you know, we we're talking about Star Wars, but you know, a, a lot of science fiction has has done that. Um, you know, we talk about Star Trek on TV in the '60s, and and with uh, what Gene Roddenberry had done with the series, you know, kind of disguising a lot of social issues with uh, with uh, you know green blooded Vulcans and Klingons and stuff like that. So it's uh, it definitely. It definitely speaks to to the masses on on that aspect. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I just I feel like there's a lot that can be done in terms of entertainment too. You know, you can sure you can have such insane spectacle that goes along with your story, um, and that is always exciting for audiences to see something that they've never seen before, but in a very human context that like you can relate to, um, and so maybe you won't ever find yourself in a giant space battle 
you know, but you can, (laughs) you can think of a time in your life when, you know, you feel like that's happening, you know, and, and that spectacle is in your own life. Um, right. Obstacle obstacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having done tons of professional things, what are some of your, the favorite aspects of, of, of your career? What do you like doing? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a I'm a filmmaker and a collaborator. So I think my, my favorite thing is just getting a bunch of talented people together and working on something. Um, I just recently, uh, finished shooting a short film, um, a few months ago and it had been a while since I had gotten a crew together to make something, uh, especially because of COVID and everything. And, Sure. Um, just where my career was, you know, my career was taking me more ta- dirt, like towards the path of visual effects and stuff, which is great and, and can be collaborative. But most of the time it's, you know, me sitting here at my computer right, you know, yeah. just by myself. Um, and so it was great to, to put my director's hat back on and direct something that I had written and, you know, really congregate a, a talented crew together and um i just i think the collaborative process is so much fun and just like I, on my sets i like to make sure that everyone knows that they have a voice and you know no matter what position you're in if you see something and you you know just want to check you know if oh is this the continuity okay or hey maybe if we moved a light here you know it'll look better in the you know i i i love creating an environment where people can uh come up with creative ideas because i think that ultimately the end product will be so much better when uh when there's a singular vision but when there's multiple people adding to it sure yeah that totally makes sense i was on a um i was on an independent film shoot in tulsa a couple of years ago and just uh working with uh some great people uh, you know, behind the scenes, it's, it's exhilarating. It definitely is a, uh, community type of, of, of event. Um, I was the DP on, on, on the film. So it's, uh, just wonderful to be able to work with, uh, you know, a lot of creative people and, and kind of brainstorm and, you know, I, I need, I need some lighting effects over here. What do you think? Let's try this. Let's do that. So it's, it's, it really is wonderful. I was going to say there's no I in filmmaking. There are, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> So I always find it fascinating when people ask me this uh, regarding career, having been in the news business for for many years. But what would you tell um, yourself, a young you, about the business that you wish somebody had actually told you? Oh, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I don't believe in meddling with the past, so I would not probably <laughs> talk to myself. But yeah, if I was, don't say if I was yeah. supposed to. Um, I, I think I would really, I would just emphasize to myself that like, it is all about who, you know, and, um, okay. And you can, you can be talented, but if you're not very nice to work with, you know, people, people will, know. will yeah. And, and, and so not that I was ever a mean person. Um, but I think that I, I think I, I could focus more on relationships uh, and and building relationships than uh, building up, you know, my repertoire repertoire of like knowledge on film. Um, 
because especially if you're a, a storyteller too, relationships are what make stories. And so experiencing life and experiencing relationships is going to make your storytelling better anyways. Um, so yeah, I think I tell myself to really sit back and like enjoy each moment because it'll, it'll only make your craft better. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about networking. I think uh, that is exactly what I would tell myself. I think in college, I was so busy, um, like I said, absorbing practical information and practicing using that that practical information. Um, I didn't do any internships. I didn't, um, you know, hang out with fellow uh, you know, classmates, uh, I did my work, I studied, I did this thing, then that was it. And that was, um, that was one thing that I wish I could change if I went back in time to kind of, uh, rehash and redo. Um, I was lucky enough that I, you know, the one, well, this is funny because the one networking thing that I did do, I was very good friends with the Dean at the film office, um, at the college uh, here in Chicago. And when somebody called him to um, the, to ask if he knew of a um, of a camera person that spoke Spanish um, for uh, for a job, my name was the first name on on his list. So networking definitely definitely helps. Um, absolutely, you know, go ahead and hone your skill. But uh, I think networking is is very important. Yeah, that's very cool. All right, let's, um, without further ado, I guess, let's talk about your project, Kenobi. Um, having watched your cut recently of the Kenobi show, or shall we call it the Kenobi movie that you did, two and a half hours, um, what were some of your concerns uh, starting this project? Um, what were some of the things that you looked at and, and found kind of daunting, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, I... I uh... I didn't set out to make a movie or even share it with people really. Um, it just stemmed from um, my fiance and I would watch each episode as they came out. And for the most part, I liked it, but there were a lot of little things that I was just like, I know that it can be different. You know, like I know that, you know, especially as, as a professional editor, I know the power of editing and I know like I could see moments where I was like, I could I could edit that entire part out and it wouldn't change the trajectory of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and so I I was just thinking about it for a long time. I was like, you know, I, I just wonder what I could do. Um, and I had seen other people do fan edits before, like I saw um, Ivan Ortega's uh, cut of The Last Jedi and stuff, and I had followed him. So I, I knew that like it was something that people did. Um, but then I just was like, but I, you know, I don't know what I would fully do. I just knew that I wanted to give it a try. You sure he's gonna come? If 
fought beside her father during the war. He'll come. He won't be able to help it. The Jedi will hunt himself. I had, you know, I, I downloaded all the footage and I just put it all into a, a premiere project. And I just one weekend started like I just like a lot of times ideas take hold of me and I, I like cannot get past them unless I like sure. see it through. Yeah. And so I just started with episode one and episode one had a lot of restructuring like that. I, you know, as I was watching it through a couple times, I was like, okay, maybe we could actually put this over here so that, you know, it, it's actually more impactful for Obi-Wan. And, you know, and I would just kind of play around with that. And as I kept going, I just, I just, didn't stop and by the end of the weekend i had a two and a half hour movie and i was like oh i guess i made a movie And I think that the the biggest thing that made me even start this project was the the last episode when we were cutting between Riva on Tatooine and the big battle between Obi-Wan and Vader. And it just was grueling to me. I was like, I I don't care enough about this Riva character to make it interesting enough to keep watching that part of the story unfold as well as like i'm tired of these lightsabers not being fatal anymore too because <laughs> right. it's just like it makes it so like okay well what's the point of a lightsaber then you know like right. it's supposed to be a deadly weapon and very dangerous and only jedi are supposed to be able to use them because of you know how dangerous they are but of course now it's like oh you get stabbed and you can survive twice throughout your lifetime sure just a flesh um, just a flesh wound yeah. Um, and also, I just felt like Reva's character didn't need a redemption. It, she she her, her story was interesting enough as is. And just a failed revenge arc is just as interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, another big problem that I had was that if all that happened with Luke, and I'm not a father, so you know, I, I, but I am an uncle, so I know, sure, you know, I, I know what it feels like to kind of have that like parent feeling. If all that happened on Tatooine, and I knew that I was trying to save Luke Skywalker from ever being found out, I would have moved away from Tatooine the moment <laughs> right. an Inquisitor came, sure, and started, you know. Poking around, poking around yeah. and, and even coming to my house, you know, yeah. and then like I, I could see them maybe staying around if Reva had been killed by Owen or Beru. Mm -hmm. And like then we know that no one else in the galaxy knows that Luke is on Tatooine. Right. But with her surviving at the end, like even though I guess she's a good character now. Now there is somebody out in the universe that, that knows, knows exactly right. where Luke Skywalker is. Yeah. And so it just didn't make sense to me in canon why they would stay. Um, and so another reason why I wanted to jump in on this project was I wanted to see if I could completely cut out that stuff and it not impact the story at all. And 
I, th I think I was able to figure out a way to do that. And it wasn't that hard. It really was just cutting all that stuff out. Um, yeah. And it's funny because I, um, I told you I watched the, the, the project twice and, you know, I totally forgot that Reva was on Tatooine chasing Luke and, you know, uncle Owen and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, your, your cut seems to be very refreshing in that aspect because it does. Um, I've got a question from a follower later on. I'll ask you, but it does kind of seem to trim the fat per se. Um, because it, it, I don't know, to me, it just seemed to flow a little better. It was more exciting. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I maintain about the Kenobi series, um, you know, there were some really great parts, but I think a lot of fans tuned in to see, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin and the, the story within that relationship, because that was, that was a relationship that was so tied to the prequels. And a lot of people obviously grew up with the prequels and, and love those characters. I mean, you know, original fans also love those characters. Um, and Ewan McGregor made, made Obi-Wan his own in the prequels, which, you know, caused uh, older fans to really respect the actor. And um, there's something about that combination uh, in the prequels that really resonated with a lot of fans cross generations there. So I think the, the fact that Reva was introduced into the Kenobi series, um, for me kind of watered down the relationship that I tuned in to watch. Um, having seen your cut, I guess twice now, um, it's interesting to me that I totally just, um, spaced out and forgot that that sequence even existed at the end because really it, it didn't really need to be there. Um, I'm going to ask you something that kind of goes along with that. Um, some folks might balk at your version of Kenobi saying that, uh, you know, why did he do it? Uh, it's just uh, hateful rhetoric, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Reva is great. Why did he cut it out? All the stuff. Um, and I think it's, it's, it, it might be, maybe a misunderstanding as far as where that motivation comes from. Cause obviously he's talking to you and knowing the, the impetus of why you did it. It's, it doesn't come from that spot. And I think it might be a misunderstanding, but what would you tell people that would, would, would say, you know, that you shouldn't have done that. You should have just left the, the, the project as is. Yeah. I mean, that's, I have gotten plenty of people saying that to me, uh, even, in my own personal life, you know, okay. family members being like, you shouldn't have uh, really? done that to somebody else's art. And, wow. and I understand. I, I really yeah. do understand. Like, um, I, I think Star Wars is a little bit different at this point because it's no longer one man's vision, you know, and, and it's now kind of entered into a collective uh, project because Disney obviously bought the rights to it and fans are also influencing what Disney creates as well. You know, like the reason why we have the sequel trilogy the way it is, is directly because of what fans had talked about uh, in, in feedback of each movie. You know, first of all, I don't think they should have ever gone into a, a sequel trilogy of Star Wars, not knowing all three stories. Uh, so right off the bat, bad idea. But you can tell with each movie, they 
change things based on the fans reactions to things sure. so i feel like at this point star wars is very much like it, it is unfortunately kind of in this weird place where it's like it's up for grabs for people you know and and everyone has such an intense relationship with star wars that you know everyone thinks that they know best uh and you know that's not my luke skywalker that's not how my star wars goes you know and and there is a sense of entitlement for sure that uh has kind of sprung up and and muddied the waters of star wars a little bit Honestly, like, I, I don't really have a defense of like, I can't say that I wasn't feeling a sense of entitlement of how I thought my Star Wars should go. So I understand that criticism for sure. Um, I think just as a storyteller, there were things that I wanted to see differently in the Obi-Wan series. Um, and honestly, it's it, it wasn't even that I like thought that I knew better, you know, and, and I know that I, I started off my, my very first TikTok announcing the project that like Obi-Wan Kenobi should have been a movie and I have proof. And I know a lot of people are like, no, you have an opinion. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's just supposed to be like a little <laughs> hook for the video. Right, but, right. um, <laughs> I, I do hope that people know that I had the privilege of having a singular vision for the story. Um, and I didn't have, you know, Disney over my shoulder telling me I couldn't do anything. Like if I wanted to do something, it was on me to figure out how to do it and, uh, you know, edit things out. And obviously I had to work within the confines of what was already filmed, sure. but also having a background in visual effects, there were things that I could change and add here and there if I needed to. Um, but like, I really do want to, like, I can't stress this enough. Like I, I had extreme privilege in the fact that I could do what I wanted with the story. And this project was never for like, I wasn't saying this is a better version of Kenobi objectively. This yeah. is like my own interpretation of how the story could go. Um, and it, it has resonated with a lot of people and, and sure. a lot of people have reached out to me and uh, are very appreciative of, of the work that I did. And, and that, that, you know, makes me very uh, excited um, just about people enjoying something that I've worked on. Sure. Um, and also that, like, I am somehow a, maybe a little blip in Star Wars history, which is incredible because I am such a huge fan that I just sure. like, you know, I always hoped that I'd worked on I'd work on something Star Wars in the future. But uh, if this is the only little bit of Star Wars I work on, I will be a happy man because it's already impacted my life so much. Sure. And, you know, getting back to and I've had discussions on on uh, social media about um, fan ownership and our I guess our uh, our interpretation of. Um, or even the question, does, does Star Wars owe me anything? And I think for the most part, I, as a fan, I can say Star Wars doesn't own me any, owe me anything, but I think Star Wars in general has a responsibility, uh, to, to fans, um, 
to uh, to create a product that is uh, good, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think the biggest reasons I, I feel that way is, I mean, if you take a look at my background, I've invested a lot of money into Star Wars and a lot of fans have invested, you know, hard earned Republic credits, damn it, on, on the franchise. <laughs> and, you know, do we have a sense of, of ownership to the franchise? Um, I would say yes. Um, there's a, there's a reason Star Wars survived, uh, as, and is as big of a of an ip as it is and it's because fans bought merchandise fans talked to other people about uh star wars and um and i i think in in the long run i think yes yeah, star wars does own uh does owe us a, a little bit of of respect as for being fans um you can't survive uh this long without the fans because the fans are basically what keeps it alive um but, uh, you know, you, you, you talked earlier about uh, certain things that could have gone one way, uh, depending on your edits. There was even, I think, if, in, in, in your cut, there was one aspect towards the end that I thought, oh, if they cut a little sooner and interrupted this line, that would have been so much more impactful. There's a, a point where Tala, um, the Imperial officer has a, a, a thermal detonator and she grabs it and she's going to sacrifice herself. And all these, the stormtroopers are shooting all over the place in the cave. And Obi-Wan finds out that, that she's going to sacrifice herself and yells out, no. And she turns it on and she says, may the force be with you. And then boom, I would have thought it was so, uh, it would have been so amazing if she said, may the force be with And she, she exploded before that line, before that line came up. Um, and I was kind of waiting for that when I was actually watching the, the series on Disney plus, I'm like, Oh, that would have been so like massively, uh, powerful that, that powerful moment that she, that, that, that in that moment, that line, uh, could not have been finished because, you know, the empire was on them and they were, you know, it, it was symbolic for me too, more so than, than mechanical. But it's little little things like that that I think um, a lot of like I guess regular people don't understand the the power of editing the the power of the visuals when it comes to their deep meaning. Um, and I'm going to ask you, you know, we we talked about the Riva character and how uh, you drastically cut her down, not really eliminated because Riva is an interesting character. But I I was wondering if there are other story elements in the Kenobi series that that you dealt with that you wished were a little bit more uh, fleshed out, or even stuff that was shot that wasn't that you wish would have been there to enhance the story. Oh yeah, I mean, I. I mean, if I could have written the series differently, like, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't look anything like how the uh, the show or my movie ended up looking. Um, but I think one of my biggest gripes is with um, and this is more of, I guess, like almost a Disney era problem of of Star Wars battles, uh, lightsaber battles in particular. I just felt like the. Um, the most interesting part of a of a lightsaber battle uh, is the obviously the relationship between who is battling each other, but also the setting and how the setting 
creates obstacles for the characters. You know, in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, we have Cloud City and and kind of the, you know, this dark environment that's, you know, easy to kind of get lost in. And there's many hallways and, you know, and there's, first of all, something very cinematic about it. You know, the, the lighting is beautiful. The, the contrast between the characters and the lightsabers, it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that setting itself is interesting because of the obstacles that uh, Vader and Luke face as the, you know, and the same thing with uh, um, the throne room in uh, Return of the Jedi too. You know, there's, there's times when we cut back and Luke's hiding or, you know, Luke's hiding behind something and Vader's looking and like something that I feel like Disney era hasn't done well is create a setting that feels uh, exciting to to watch our characters go through this obstacle while they battle. Like Mustafar is one of those where like not only is this relationship between the characters so interesting that you're invested from the get-go, but also the the setting of this lava planet. Every turn is danger, you know, every you know, every moment something, the stakes get, get higher. And in the end of Kenobi, I just felt like we were in this flat environment with a bunch of spikes and that was it. And I know that from the behind the scenes, I know Deborah Chow had talked about how it was important that there was a, an environment where none, none of the characters could get the high ground, you know? And, and I know that that's a very like, Anakin Obi Wan specific thing, but I honestly think that 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 idea hindered the battle itself because I think that we just needed a much more interesting setting for a battle like Obi Wan versus Vader. You know, I think any other planet than like a flat planet with spikes all through the ground, like that, just was not very interesting to me. And I think if I had been able to reshoot anything it would have been that final battle and i would have picked somewhere much more interesting i want to see our characters flipping around and you know trying to jump through different areas and hiding in specific spots and uh it just felt like we were watching two cosplayers do their Mm. best you know yeah um I never thought and of that the the relationship yeah. between the environment and the and the battles. I think that's uh, wow, that's something that I I want to go back and and you know really watch uh, some of the older um, battles, lightsaber battles. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The prequels are, the prequels are pretty good about having really high stakes uh, yeah. environments, um, and as well as as I talked about uh, the original trilogy has some great backdrops to lightsaber battles as well um and you know like the throne room scene in the last jedi it's again it's a flat environment mm-hmm. and the just a bunch of people fighting in a room curtains were burning yeah and then we've got uh in force awakens you know we've got the lightsaber battle which is another f- flat ground in a snowy planet mm. you know we're just walking around some trees and then yeah. the environment breaks apart. Like, you know, that's 
it's an interesting concept, but we can have more diversity than like flat ground with yeah. spikes. <laughs> and it seems like, uh, you know, you talked about the, I guess the, the Disney formula, it seems like, uh, you just said the ground was breaking in the force awakens. I mean, it did the same thing in the Kenobi series. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Something to, uh, to definitely think about. Um, so we've got uh, we've got two questions from uh, some of our followers, and I wanted to see if you uh, we can re uh, you know uh, end uh, the the discussion on on the two questions here. Um, Nin Sage eighty one says your edits are not just trimming the fat; it's actually addition by subtraction in many instances. What do you think gets in the way of showrunners and producers to make some of the same decisions? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, I think I would like to reiterate again. I think that, uh, having a singular vision, I was able to mm -hmm. really go through and go, you know, and plus I also wasn't, I wasn't there during filming or anything. So I have no connection to anything right. other than what serves the story. And I think that sometimes, and, and I'm guilty of it on my own projects personally, you know, when you know what, blood, sweat, and tears went into that shot to get right. it. Sometimes you're biased of, Oh, let me, let me keep this. Uh, let me keep right. this part in because uh, I really like the actor who, you know, maybe they didn't mm -hmm. do their best performance, but I just really like them as a person. And I want, you know what I mean? And, right. and I think that that can sometimes get in the way. Um, but I also think that such a big property like, star wars and and being owned by disney i know that like i'm sure there were you know I, I was actually just listening to the podcast uh the founders and they had um the editors of obi-wan the show on and, and i was listening to that and um and one of the editors uh josh he was talking about how every so often he would he would throw in in uh like some themes from uh from the prequel trilogy, you know, he would, he would be putting in some temp music of, you know, John Williams score and stuff. And he said that constantly he would get pushed back and they'd be like, no, 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 you can't add those. You can't put those in, you know? And like, so I know that like, I'm, I'm sure people, I mean, a lot of people that work on star Wars are also huge star Wars fans sure. and they want to make it as good as they can. Um, and I think that just, the business side of things, you know, legal, you know, things, it, it, those things get in the way of the, the creative side and the, and the craft and the, um, and the lore, you know, and things like that where people go, Oh, like, but we need this character because we, you know, we want other people to feel, uh, like they resonate with this person. And even though it might not serve the story, we need it, you know, as, as a Disney corporation, we need this kind of, uh, character in the story and we need a redemption, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really the business that gets in, in the way of, of it and, and not the individual artists that work on it. Um, because I, I truly believe that every person that was involved in that show was obviously trying their best and doing what they sure. could do within the confines of what, uh, they were given. Um, and so, you can yeah. tell, 
I mean, you can definitely mm-hmm. tell. I mean, there are certain sequences that are like, oh my God, that's really great. I didn't think of that. Um, I think it, you know, the whole, you're talking about business uh, and legal stuff. I mean, it, the perfect example is like, why did they call it a wayfinder when it's a holocron? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't, uh, you know, don't realize that uh, sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, we, we just can't go there because we <laughs> we can't. Um, yeah. you know, Star Trek has the same issue between Paramount, CBS and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, uh, the business of filmmaking is, um, is, a, a complex, uh, you know, pathway, uh, to maneuver, um, a lot of stuff, obviously that is not, uh, you know, known by the general public, um, unfortunately. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, follower Andrew Haley. And I think we talked about this uh this was i think uh you, you had mentioned something about this uh in our earlier part of the conversation what's your favorite part about filmmaking and what was the process that took that you took for editing a show like kenobi into a film oh yeah i mean honestly what's interesting is that uh kenobi is my first feature film edit uh so in general, I was learning a lot about editing a feature film. You know, most mm. of the, I think the the longest project that I edited was my, uh, I have a short film on YouTube called Red Mission, and it's about uh, some astronauts that go to Mars and has some very like 2001 A Space Odyssey vibes. And that one was about 25 minutes. And I think that's, I think that's my longest short film at, so far. And so, you know, a two and a half hour movie was quite a daunting task uh especially because i think the show um even though it was six episodes they're like not an hour long and like minus the intros and stuff i think total it's probably about four and a half hours of Mm. content so i i cut out two hours of the show um and uh i guess i'm answering the second part of the question first Um, okay but uh I, I, I just remember going through all like, you know, as, as I would go through each time I'd, I'd learn something new about, you know, uh, this was also the first time I'd ever worked with 5.1 surround sound audio, you know, and that was crazy too. I had to learn a whole process, especially because there were times when I wanted to add my own music or I wanted to add, you know, uh, a different cut. And so I'd have to isolate the audio and, and, cut out the, the background noise and stuff. And so adding that back in after I'd cut it out, I had to learn about that. Um, and it, it was just a really great learning experience for me, especially because, uh, you know, doing so many drafts, you know, I would, I would, uh, show my fiance. She's the only one that would see the things that I didn't release to the public, you know? And, mm. Um, I, I remember doing my first screening with her and there were still like visual effects shots that I hadn't changed, you know, like in my version, um, Benny Safdie's character gets decapitated instead of in the original where he's just hung up. Um, but, uh, like, you know, in, in my original cut, I like hadn't done that yet. So I was like, okay. And his, his head will be gone soon. She's like, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Um, but you know, just showing 
that movie to her too. And she, she one is a huge star Wars fan and I, and she's a great artist too. So I, I respect her opinion. And there, there were a few changes that I made based on her comments, you know, mm. like there were some times when like, because in my head, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to get things moving. Let's go, let's go, let's go with the story. Um, there, you know, I would, I would cut out some of the establishing shots and stuff and, um, and she'd be like, oh, you know, what I loved about it in the series was that like this establishing shot was long and it really gave you time to like get ready for the fact that you're going to you're about to be in this world. And so I'd be like, OK, you know what? You're right about that. Let me go back, add in some more of that. And yeah, I was going to um, say Star Wars really lives uh, with establishing shots. It's it's something mm -hmm. that I think it's something that I was missing um, with what was uh, maybe the book of Boba Fett um mm. the, there was but there's yeah there was definitely some things that i remember talking to some buddies of mine that uh it just for some reason it just didn't seem cinematic enough uh, there were no wide shots and obviously you know i understand the limitations of the volume the the um the the stagecraft uh, arena um but um yeah the, they weren't uh shots weren't wide enough for me and it just didn't seem very star wars -y, if you know what i mean but um, mm -hmm. yeah, establishing shots are very important. Yeah. And I think another thing that I added, not on my first go around, but the second time I released my Kenobi edit, uh, I had added in the like Star Wars transitions the wipes and stuff. And, right. and I think there are just those little things that like make, make it feel more cohesive to Star Wars. And I, I totally understand. I know that at some point, for for star wars to continue to grow we will probably have to let go of some of those things that we love you know like opening crawls and stuff like that you know i i, I get it at some point we don't want to get too stuck in our box you know and, and not let there be breathing room for these mm -hmm. characters but at the same time things as simple as like fun transitions like those wipes sure. those classic star wars wipes I don't think that that hinders the story any any bit and it and it really makes you feel like you're in a star wars movie you know and um and i think those little details i think for the bigger themes we could probably push past what star wars has you know been about but i think that maybe in the details we can we can keep those thing i mean it the the costume design the set design like those are things that like like and disney is like good about you know their their world uh building their yeah well that's tough because the world building in the sequel trilogy was not great but you know people like dave filoni and john favreau like i feel like are when they're given the reins as star wars fans and they're given the budgets they will create those worlds that we're used to with new stories inside of them mm -hmm. um i think yeah, I think that the sequel trilogy was a tough one because they were trying to create something new, but also feel old. And in that they were like, let's basically just do a rehash of a new hope right. with a new skin on it. And we'll see how that goes. And that's probably why The Force Awakens is like the more popular of the sequel trilogy, just because it did feel good to like, you know, Go back. be back. Sure. Yeah. Um, even though we were at a, another desert planet with a different name, you know, it's just, right. uh, it, it, it was a good marriage of like 
the old and the new. And then mm-hmm. I think from there, especially because there wasn't a, a plan of where they were going, it was just like up to each filmmaker to create their own story. Uh, that's where it starts to feel less cohesive as a trilogy and more just like, well, why didn't they just do a bunch of Rogue One type movies where sure. they're not really connect or, you know, they're not connected to the Skywalker plot, but they are in the universe. And sure. Rogue One felt so great because of that aspect of it. Right. Um, I almost feel like they should have explored that before being like, okay, and we're going to add on to the Skywalker. Saga. Right. Yeah. That's just my opinion. <laughs> No, I yeah, I, I get it. Um, you know, we uh, you talked about the Star Wars crawl. We are a couple of hours from the premiere of the Ahsoka series, and I hear the crawls are back. I'm very happy. What about you? Really? I'm excited if that's the case. <laughs> um, I definitely did miss the crawls, you know, and, and I uh, I'm excited for some of those new Star Wars movies that have been announced to uh, also carry on the legacy of the sure. crawls and yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm also very excited for Ahsoka cause I, I love, uh, Clone Wars. I never got around to watching Rebels, but I did just watch like a whole recap video on everything you need to know before Ahsoka. Sure. And I know people, people come at me. They're like, you haven't watched Rebels yet. Are you a Star Wars fan? And I like, was going to come at you. Yeah, oh, man. I, <laughs> there, I tried, I watched like the first season and the, and this like half of the second season, I think it just like was too kitty for me, especially yeah. going from like where like Clone Wars in its sixth season was like really getting into some dark nitty gritty sure. territory as we got closer to the to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And then moving and then like canceling Clone Wars to right. then go into Rebels, I think just like left a bad taste in my mouth. And mm-hmm. I was just like. Yeah. almost mad at disney and i was like i'm not gonna watch rebels because you <laughs> didn't give me the rest of sure. clone wars and and eventually again like i was talking about in the very beginning of all this star wars is that collective thing the fans got clone wars back like right. the fans who loved clone wars were so vocal about it that disney was like you know maybe we're not doing this because we care about the fans, but we're doing this because we care about their money and sure. they will shell out money for clone wars. <laughs> so we might as well finish, finish out it clone up. wars. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, rebels um, you're right. Rebels started very young. The demographic was young and uh, you know, with, with, with all the animated shows, it's almost like, you know, they're, they're reeling in the fans, the young fans to set them up to be star Wars fans as they grow older. And the story is also kind of matured as we went along. I think rebels really introduced some really interesting, um, lore to star Wars, to the force. Um, if you haven't seen all of it, you know, I don't know, maybe skip around, but there are some really interesting things with, uh, with, uh, with, um, with the force, um, I'm always interested in in seeing new force lore and and backstory. Obviously, there's some controversial items in there, the world between worlds and time travel and all that stuff, which may or may not be traditional time travel. But you know, we'll uh, we'll see how that kind of pans out. But um, yeah, Rebels uh, Rebels is a good show. Um, I um, watched it with my son um, throughout its uh, run and uh, really uh, really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people are saying that Ahsoka is basically the next season of Rebels, which uh, I don't have a problem with that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely looking forward to it. 
Um, one last question, and I will let you go, but what was your favorite part of the Kenobi series, whether it was included in your cut or not, and why? Maybe this is too general. So as I answer this, I'll try to think of something more specific. But I am a huge fan of Ewan McGregor. And just seeing him back in the Obi-Wan role yeah. was so, so exciting. And um, and the fact that he kept it a secret for so many years. Yeah. You know? Is, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if I wanted to get more specific... It would really just be the the reunion of Hayden and Ewan McGregor on a project, you know? And, and yeah. I just think that their their interaction in this series, especially at the end, you know, when they're having a conversation when half of Vader's mask has come off. Anakin's gone. I'm what remains. It was that was just some really powerful stuff, and it was it was fun to see the two of them uh, in a in a movie where you know or in a show directed by someone other than George Lucas. Because as much as I love Lucas, I think that sometimes his concept of a world can get in the way of the nuances of of an acting performance. Because um, I think he's he's very like large. You know, he has a he has a But I think that uh, in the Kenobi show, especially uh, being several parts, we were able to really kind of slow down in some key moments and experience the raw emotion that these stories have, you know, because I feel like if I had done Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith differently, I would have like really honed in on the emotion of that story because it's a it's a tragic story yeah and you go through most of it just like on the edge of your seat of what's going to happen next without really being able to like fully digest the the tragedy of it you know and um of course you and and hayden had great performances in revenge of the sure. sith but i felt like in this series they had a little bit more room to like you know explore their their characters and uh and so that was just really really exciting to see on screen Absolutely. Yeah. As you can tell from behind me, I am a big fan of uh, Darth Vader. I always uh, I'm always nervous to see Darth Vader in in some new Disney project because I don't want them to screw things up. But I think they did a really good job with Vader in the Kenobi series, um, you know, from, uh, you know, your 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 big appearance in the um, in the village when he's walking down the, the village and snapping people's necks. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Disney went there. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to love about uh, star Wars nowadays. I know people are sometimes clamoring that the IP is dead, but uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. But uh, Kai, thank you so much for uh, making time to talk to me and talk to about uh, your uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, re-edit uh, the Patterson cut. Um, I hope you had fun. Oh, I had a great time and I'm just so happy that I got to talk about this. So thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. If you are not familiar with the Patterson cut and you made it this far, what is your problem? Please, uh, <laughs> you know, look for it. 
uh, or DM me. I've got uh, all the uh, links that uh, will be able to uh, you'll be able to download it. Uh, it's not made public, obviously, for obvious reasons, but uh, it is definitely something that uh, is worth watching. Uh, to keep that uh, Kenobi uh, excitement alive. Um, I've told several people and I've gotten some great feedback on it. Um, so again, Kai, thank you so much for doing what you do and uh, may the force be with you. And always with you. <laughs> thank you so much. Where can people find you to say hello there? Uh, you can find me at, um, at Kai Patterson Films anywhere uh, except for x or twitter is uh, uh yeah i'm not calling it x yeah twitter uh <laughs> kai patterson cut because films wouldn't fit they don't they wouldn't fit that on the handle so oh. but at, pretty much everywhere else it's kai patterson films and also you can find pretty much anything uh about my work or my social media through my website kaipattersonfilms.com Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Kai. Um, yeah, that is it. The Kenobi series. And uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, right after a few messages, I'm going to be giving away some cool Scarif swag. So uh, please look for that. But until next time, this is Ro from the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. You can find the rest of the Red 5 Network podcast at bio.link slash red5. That's the number five. We are part of a large conglomerate of content creators. You'll find something for everyone there. Until next time, this is Ro. And that's the scuttlebutt. All customer service representatives are currently busy. Please hold for the next available agent. Hey, friends, big thanks for checking this interview out. I know Kai has faced some backlash because of his decision to create this abridged version of the Kenobi show into a movie. But I hope after listening to this you have a clear picture of his motivations. So if you have thoughts on this interview, email me at scarifscuttlebutt at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 773-234-8659. Again, 773-234-8659. Our hotline is waiting for you 24-7. I'd love for you to leave a message, a review, or a suggestion. But if you really want to make a difference, head over to your favorite podcast app and write up a review so other people can see that you are enjoying the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. I hope the more people find out, the faster we grow. And thank you for the help. All right. And as far as the giveaway, here's what you got to do to qualify to win that Maraudership from Bad Batch, a micro-series collectible. Hey, it's a cool ship. Okay, here's what you got to do. So go back into our back catalog here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast and tell me what favorite episode or show has been thought-provoking and why. I want your feedback, whether it's Balance of the Force or any of our deep dives with friends and topics. Tell me which one is your favorite and why. Tag the show and use the hashtag Scare of Swag to qualify. Also, tag a friend. If you win, I'll send that friend some Scuttlebutt stickers as a thank you. Remember, tag the account and use hashtag ScarifSwag. And tell me which previous episode was your favorite and why. Patrons get automatically enrolled, so if you are a patron, relax. Your name is already in the pot. Good luck. 
This giveaway is good until September 29th, and we'll announce the winner on one of our October Scare Live shows. Remember, we go live on YouTube Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you enjoy what we do here with friends, I encourage you to subscribe and check out a live show as well. Just a reminder, we are a proud founding member of the Red 5 Network, so when you see that big Red 5, you know you're about to have a good time. Check out the rest of the Red 5 Network where you'll find other pods and shows that discuss movies, games, comics, television, and more, like After the Weekend, The Exegesis, Level Up Arcade, Comics and Cosmetics, The Science Fictionary, and the list goes on, just to name a few. Head over to bio.link slash red5 for more discussions, more fun, and more of the Red 5 family. Good luck on this giveaway. Until next time, that's the Scuttlebutt.